that 85% of your engine wear occurs at startup? Yes, that is correct. And this is where Lower the Friction comes in by putting a protective, lubricating barrier on all moving parts. This now gives you full-time protection to make your engine last longer, run smoother, give you better performance, and improve fuel economy. People across the country are reporting some very exciting results. Go to LowerTheFriction.com, place your order, and enter in promo code SOS to get 5% off of your order. That's LowerTheFriction.com. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the weekly Secrets of Saturn livestream. I am Jason Lindgren, your host. Joining me this week are Crow777, The Great Baldini, Wayne McCroy, and... Karen B is going to be here, at least for a little while, as long as she would like to be, of course. We're going to start off by talking about the Flattoberfest. What would we call it, Karen? A festival? A conference? A meeting? A hangout and drink too much coffee? What, what would we call it? I like to call it a festival. I think the other day I decided that that's the word I like to use to describe it, because it's not really a conference. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, more, it's a little bit more relaxed than that, and a little bit more open, and more about... Um, meeting people and face-to-face -face conversation. I like it. Let's mm -hmm. get the logo up here. So that that's the official Flattoberfest logo. So how's it looking? How many uh, seats we got left? Uh, I don't know every detail of everything, so I'm just going to let you take that away. Uh, the big thing is I'm going to be there. Uh, that's why I uh, wanted to talk about it a bunch. 
and I'm going to be doing a presentation on the social engineering of manned spaceflight. And I'm, I'm doing this a lot more audiovisual than I did at the one I uh, did in Dallas last year. So it's going to be a lot more musical and um, more stuff going on. I'm trying to outdo myself. But anyway, go ahead, Karen. Yes, so it's Flattoberfest, and it is happening October 24th, 2020, in Greenville, South Carolina, and it is at a Shrine Event Center. Um, it is a pretty large room. It's a big ballroom. It has a stage. It has a kitchen. It has a bar. It has all the facilities that we need there. Um, they usually have the capacity for 1,500 Ooh. Uh, so at the time that I booked this, they were telling me between three and four hundred would be their capacity for this event. No masks required at all whatsoever. Um, so we've got about almost half of that filled so far. So last year I had 200 people at Flattoberfest and we're at about that right now. Just the guests, not including people who are um, speakers or vendors or, or not vendors, but exhibitors. Um, so that is just attendees. Awesome. Sounds like yeah. that's going to be a pretty packed house then no matter what then. Yeah, for sure. Uh, who all's going to be there? Do you want to give us the list? Yes. Well, Bob Nodell from Globebusters is going to be there. I've and heard of him. Giving... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty well-known guy. Um, also, Mark Sargent is going to be there. Uh, and Mike Williams of Sage of Quay Radio is going to be there uh, giving a presentation, as well as James True and Jason Lindgren. And those are the presenters. Awesome sauce. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's not very many. So we have the place for the whole day, right? We, it's, we have it from noon to midnight. So we're going to try to use as much of that time as possible and maximize it since everybody's going to be there from out of town. Um, so we're going to have speakers and then we're going to have a break after that where people can talk you know, amongst each other, or maybe you can ask the speaker questions and everybody can kind of hang out and converse about what it is they just heard or their ideas on it or maybe something else who knows whatever you want to talk about so we're going to space it out like that and then we'll have a dinner break and we're going to have also music one band is going to be there um one big love will be there i'll probably have them play earlier in the day to start it off while when everybody first starts filing in um, and so that's what we'll be doing. And then who knows what will happen because we've got a great sound system that's going to be lined up there because uh, commercial sound and video, who you know, <laughs> is mm -hmm. in, in charge of all that. And he that's what he does. That's what he does for a living. So, you know, it's going to be top notch. So it'll be fun. <laughs> well, I hope everybody can make it. Uh, why don't you give the location and the cost and all that good stuff, too? Okay, uh, you got to go to the website, flattoberfest.com, right there on the first page. It has a link to buy the tickets. Tickets are $77 each for an adult ticket. Um, there is an option there. If you want to bring your children, it's free or just donation-based. It just says child donation ticket. And so however many children you're bringing with you, as long as you know you pay for an adult ticket, you can bring your children, and it will cost you nothing else to attend. Okay, so that's there. 
don't let that be something that holds you back. If you can just bring them with you, go ahead and do it because it'll be fun. There's going to be a lot of other people there. I know already a lot of people are bringing their children. It's family friendly. So um, that and then also we're going to have an exhibit that's going to be there all day. It'll be set up the whole day so everybody can sort of make their way to it as they get time. Um, that's going to be called How the World Works, and it's going to be hosted by Cammie Nodell, uh, which is Bob Nodell's wife and a very good friend of mine, and also Zach Zabala. And they will have all kinds of stuff, um, ferrocells, cells, Van de Graaff machines, you know, just maybe some gyroscopes, some magnets, some different things that to exhibit how electromagnetism works and basically to back up, you know, electric universe theory and how... Um, a lot of people in this think the way the world, the realm works, you know. So that'll be really interesting for people to go and check out. Cool. Well, thank yeah. you, Karen. I think it's going to be a great time. I think what we're leaning more towards as we were talking about when Rose and I came to visit you, uh, more of a, of a get-together thing, more uh, personable, less mm -hmm. less uh, corporate-y, you know, detached kind right. of thing. Um, not so official uptightiness, you know, more like, hey, let's get together as a bunch of friends. We'll talk about some really cool concepts and then discuss them afterwards, that kind of thing. Exactly. It'll be set up kind of like almost like a dinner theater type of deal where there'll be a bunch of tables set up and they're big round tables and there'll be chairs around all the tables. So it's almost like, you know, very sociable, like a social event, exactly like what it is, <laughs> you know. It'll be great. Cool. All right. Well, I hope as many people who can come will come because I want to see this thing be a big success so we can keep having events like this, especially this year when so much crap has gone down. I mean, I didn't really social distance and stay home and all that nonsense, but uh, I know a lot of people did and other places were worse than where we live. So great opportunity to, to get out and not have to deal with a bunch of mask crap and people right. saying, oh, you got to social distance, stand over there six feet away. No, screw that. This is people acting like people. We're acting like real living men and women, and that is that. Exactly. And there's going to be so many other people there besides just the people named on the website, the speakers. There's going to be tons of people there that you know from YouTube that are content creators, people that have been in this for a very long time, people that are very well researched. So there's going to be a whole plethora of people to speak to who are on the same level as you. It's going to be, the, the energy there is going to be off the freaking charts. <laughs> well, it is because how often do you get to be around 200 plus people who are at least somewhat on the same level as you and the same wavelength, exactly. whatever you want to call it, interested in the same things you are, want to talk about the same things you are, you, you're interested in, that learn more about the things you're interested in. How often does that get to happen, especially in 2020? So yeah, I think this is going to be amazing. Yeah, and I've got some surprises in store. I'm not going to say what they are, but I do have some stuff that I'm going to be working on the next couple of weeks to um, for Flatoberfest that I'm not going to announce. You're just going to have to be there to find out what happens. <laughs> awesome sauce. Yeah, yes. All right. Is that going to do it, Karen? We got everything out we needed to say? Um, do I the believe... website one more time and the location and all that. Let's make sure everybody got, gets it through. Yes, Flatoberfest.com, October 24th, 
2020, Greenville, South Carolina. The website has where you get tickets, where the venue is, where hotels are. If you don't want to go to a hotel or a hotel's too expensive, it has links to campsites. Um, there's many, many campsites all around there because this is the Carolinas and there's lots of woods around here. Also, um, there is Just Jack who lives near the venue, who has property, who's letting people pitch tents on his land. So if you're willing to pitch a tent on Just Jack's land and uh, you want to do that, you can email Jack at justjackflatearth at gmail.com. That's so awesome. Plenty of- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, Karen. Let's uh, let me get the camera on now. And you're welcome to stick around as long as you want if you want to be part of this conversation. Um, yes, I would love to for a little while. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. So tonight we are going to talk about, let me get my document ready here. <clears throat> do, 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 do. Operational Procedure for Project Pandora Microwave Test Facility. Prepared by E. V. Byron, October 1966. So needless to say, the things we're going to talk about here in this document, they've known about for a very long time. The Beatles were still together when this document was written. That's how long ago we're talking. To start, this report describes the operational procedure for the Project Pandora Microwave Test Facility. It is intended primarily for non-microwave-oriented technical personnel to enable them to operate the facility with a minimum of training. Included is the turn-on, turn-off procedure, the procedure for measuring transmitted power and power density, and a description of the power monitors. Now, Wayne Baldini, whomever has had a chance to go through this, if there's somewhere in particular you want me to go while we start breaking yeah, this down. Yeah, you want to skip... You do want to skip the um, stuff for operational thing. I think you could start, um, let's see, the test results. Um, let's find that page. Um, all right. We can start on page, uh, what's officially, I think, the bottom of page three. It's the test results on um, microwaving bunnies. Oh, my God. Where, where they began, um, they restrained bunnies in wooden boxes. And uh, All right, I'm out. I'm, I'm going to bed now, guys. You're going to microwave bunnies? They did. It's not very uh, nice. It's they for uh, science. Yeah, it's for science. But they just, uh, <laughs> this is noting uh, change in heart rate. So this is the first uh, first set of results, I think, on page four is where you'll find that. Okay. Let's if you want me to summarize it real quick, I can do that. It's just, it's pretty, I mean, there's a lot of data in there, but it's the... Yeah, you know uh, what? Go ahead third, and do the summary because I'm, I'm kind of jumping through this, and I see just a whole bunch of um, table of contents right now. So go ahead and summarize that, and then we will. Uh... They, yeah, basically. So what they did um, in page three, um, what they did was they took um, a number of rabbits, uh, put them in boxes, and they radiated some and not others. Uh, this is about 2.5 gigahertz, um, not a uh, whole lot of uh, – between 2 two gigahertz and 2.4 gigahertz. You mean what Wi-Fi uh, routers are. Exactly, yeah. And basically mm. um, what they did, uh, they did a variety of bunnies. I think there was um, 20 of them, um, 10 of them with and 10 of them without. Um, essentially what happens is they noted a direct correlation and an increase in heart rate between uh, – on those – um, rather, um, eight rabbits. So I'm sorry, 16 irradiation, 16 control trials, um, with eight rabbits each, uh, the relative change in heart rate was generally positive. So the increase was larger and more variable. 
uh, as the, they increased the time. So essentially, when um, they irradiated the rabbits, they it increased their heart rate. That was a very the very first thing that they noted uh, was an increase in heart rate um, up to about 50 percent. So uh, it, it was a noticeable um, increase in their heart rate. Um, later um, in some of the reports, basically um, during the discussion, they talk about um, that they uh, began uh, the hypothesis that there was a, a, a number of other physiological effects that were related to that, including uh, hormones and, um, you know, uh, cortisol, that sort of stuff released. But uh, initially, uh, they did have um, the, the heart rate increase, followed by um, hyperventilation uh, and uh, some thermal stress, hyperthermia uh, afterwards. So uh, it did, uh, again, constitute a variety of physiological effects at the very first level of testing. And then there's a bunch of summary um, data sheets going down to page the end of page 12, I think. Um, so let me find your next grouping here, something that you can just kind of read and get a, a good summary of. Do you know where the next uh, group is, Wayne, just off the top of your head? Um, no, I really don't because the way they have this uh, document broken up is a, a little bit confusing because there were so many different sub-projects of Project right. Pandora. Right. Uh, but the, the way they have it uh, spelled out in the document here, it goes through, first of all, uh, at the beginning of each phase, it goes through the equipment settings and how to set up the equipment and stuff like that and, right. and what the actual uh, uh, equipment looks like and all the details of that. Uh, but... Uh, let me see here. Yeah, I'm looking uh, through. They they basically have a, a just a bunch of graphs showing, um, you know, the data of how of the test levels that they did. Uh, many of these things were done in anechoic chambers. Um, they are, these are, by the way, um, were at the time uh, labeled secret, uh, so uh, they did not want uh, anybody getting their hands on these documents. And uh, portions of them were actually labeled as top secret as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it, you know, a lot of this was high clearance stuff. Uh, I believe these became un, unclassified officially within, I think it was in the 1990s, if yeah. I remember correctly, uh, is when they, they declassified a lot of this information. But uh, I would... The, Go ahead. I would point out that um, the basic stuff that you see here are um, simple, what we would consider now simple dipole antenna arrays. Uh, again, very similar, as Wayne pointed out earlier, to um, Wi-Fi routers in your home. Uh, and they had done these tests, uh, again, and I've got a, a number of documents that uh, we'll introduce later, uh, going all the way to between 2001, 2007, um, specifically in the bandwidth uh, that we're talking about um, in terms of the 5G. Uh, as well as even 4G. And so it's not as if um, this information was not known or they didn't have any idea uh, of the effects of uh, microwave radiation on organic material. They have done these tests. Again, this is from 1966. And so, you know, it's as old as I am. Uh, and they well knew what the effects of the radiation would be. And yet, uh, again, they chose to deploy this uh, technology, uh, not, not only, um, I mean, broadly, right? Putting it in your home, uh, knowing uh, full well that it had a variety of um, psychological, physiological, uh, and emotional uh, effects. And that's not a mistake. Indeed. No, these things don't happen by accident. But just so people understand, very, very early on, many decades ago, they studied and understood the effects that this stuff has. So, uh, you know, this kind of thing is not anything new. Like, they, they knew this stuff was harmful, yet they went ahead and they implemented this technology for uh, communications purposes anyway, knowing full well that it caused harm to people. So, <laughs> you know, when you, you look at it uh, 
from that vantage point, this is this is going back to the 1960s. And actually, some of these studies, I think, were done as early as the late 1940s and even through the 1950s when they started doing a lot of this stuff. But this Project Pandora, uh, the different sub-projects of it were results of um, a concern that they had about a signal coming out of Moscow. And that's what had uh, um, caused them to go ahead and start doing some of this research according to uh, this report here anyway. Uh, if we go down to, uh, there's a Freedom of Information Act request from a Mr. Michael Drosnin listed in here where they show the release. And it's a memorandum that was uh, limited distribution, top secret, classified down here. Uh, 13th May, 1965, memorandum for Dr. Brown, Dr. Fubini. Uh, subject ARPA and Moscow Embassy Radiation. So this is this is one of the things that they were concerned with. So we'll read this little portion here in the snippet of Project Pandora. Subject ARPA, that's A-R-P-A, and that's the Advanced Research Projects Agency, mm -hmm. and Moscow Embassy Radiation. In the Advanced Sensor Program, ARPA is entertaining proposals to investigate possible clinical effects, primarily neurological, of continuous microwave radiation with either CW or pulsed waveforms. The CIA and a special USIB subcommittee have been have become interested in this problem for the following reason. The radiation intensity on our Moscow embassy exceeds by a factor of about 100 the safety level specified in Soviet microwave specification standards. These Soviet standards are considerably more stringent than ours. Specifically, the Soviet standards are to not exceed 10 microwatts continuously and in no case to exceed one milliwatt for even very short periods of time. I understand that the average radiation intensity inside the windows of our Moscow embassy is on the order of one milliwatt. Consequently, a considerable amount of interest has been generated by the CIA and by the USIB in reviewing existing data in this field, which is very scanty at these radiation levels, even though the possibility that the radiation is intended to produce neurological effects on embassy personnel is probably relatively low. On the other hand, since we have no real idea of what the radiation is intended for, it has been the feeling in the USIB and the CIA that this possibility should not be go unexplored. Unfortunately, there is some past unsavory history of experiments of this kind in this country which have which has made a number of people rather leery of further experiments in this field and which has resulted in the setting of standards of safety, which are approximately 1,000 times looser in this country than in the Soviet Union, mm. with our standards being set primarily by thermal damage thresholds. Effort has been going on by the Director of Clinical Research Neurology in NIH on lower-level radiation to see if neurological effects can be detected. But even in this case... The effort has not been apparently officially sanctioned as an NIH project because of the circumstances noted earlier. ARPA now has some proposals to conduct meaningful experiments in this range in which the intent would ultimately be to experiment not only with the average intensity of the Moscow radiation, but also with a close simulation of the waveforms used. However, there seems to be some internal resistance in ARPA to the suggestion that ARPA proceed with these experiments, probably because there is a feeling that at one time it certainly attracted a number of crackpots. The proposal, which makes considerable sense now, is a proposal to the U.S. Air Force primates 
as subjects in a carefully controlled series of experiments, with the intent being to detect neurological or synergistic effects. My feeling is that we should carry through with these experiments if these experiments can be accomplished at a reasonable cost because of the following considerations. And then it gives a list and I have of the, I have the results of those, um, those tests standing by. Hey guys, yes, I was hoping here. you would. <laughs> because I do. This is interesting stuff. This is what uh, really kind of kick-started this whole thing. They noticed this signal in Moscow that was affecting yes. the embassy there. And uh, this was later actually uh, corroborated as what they called the woodpecker signal. They were able to detect it uh, all the way over here in the U.S. Um, and it was, you know, these signals were, were going out, and uh, they weren't sure exactly what the deal was with this so they started studying what could possibly be the reason for this right. and they they thought you know this might be to try to uh produce neurological uh symptoms in people and so it did indeed explore that <laughs> yes yeah, go ahead did. with that, those results Bob Dini. sure so starting so yeah within um starting the summary begins i think the memorandum begins on page 114 of your document but in page 115 it describes um basically the um the nature of the test in which they took a rhesus monkey uh and they <laughs> had trained him to do um some yeah i know right rhesus macaque so uh <laughs> the arch factor so what they had uh, they had trained him to do some basic functions with for food rewards and he had to close a switch and he would get a uh, food reward uh and and uh, what they did was they tried to duplicate as best they could the nature of the signal in Moscow. Now, they were unable to um, uh, confirm whether it had anything in it as a, if it were acting as a carrier wave um, beyond just the signal itself. Um, they were unable to determine that. But they did just um, duplicate um, that and they were looking for physiological and neurocirculatory effects of this microwave radiation uh, at levels below the U.S. accepted standard of the 10 milliwatts. Um, so uh, there's, they said there's no other underlying data beyond that. So basically what they did was uh, page 116, I believe. So they, they break down the functions of what he was supposed to do. He had five steps uh, to receive food reward. Uh, on page 117, uh, as they go through the functions, um, basically what happened, uh, here's the breakdown summary. Over a 26-day period, um, he began slower and slower behavior until finally he just said fuck it basically and stopped doing anything at all and went into they said a deep sleep but apparently a coma it just hmm. stopped he just didn't want to do anything even for food um he was not interested and so uh at the bottom of page 117 they're saying well we're just gonna have to get a new monkey um, <laughs> so the wait a second became so severely depressed that he stopped eating Essentially, yes. He just didn't want to do anything and just um, he stopped his uh, response times kept getting higher and higher and higher um, between uh, doing the, uh, the, you know, doing the functions. And finally, he just said, no, I'm, I'm done. Not even for food. Uh, he didn't want to do anything. And so they were just going to have to they stopped it for 12 days uh, and he did not really recover. He just went into a deep sleep and was done. And again, this uh, does not account for anything that might have been contained within a, as a carrier wave. In other words, if they were embedding any sort of signal in that beyond just the nature of the microwave. So uh, a tuned microwave signal uh, basically responded in what we would consider um, clinical depression. So what level of strength of the of these 2.4 gigahertz, uh, 2.0 to 3.0, right? Yeah, that's, that's it's mostly around two, around two point four, I think, just under two point five gigahertz. Uh, very low, frankly. Um, we're talking on the order again of less than um, one hundred milliwatts per square centimeter. So, um, essentially, um, 
your Wi-Fi router at home uh, would be uh, about half that, uh, depending on, or if you have a booster, it could be even more than that. So um, somewhere between 50 to 100, and, I mean, somewhere, uh, your Wi-Fi router at home is probably somewhere between um, 50% to 120% of what they were doing that test on. And those are in um, 10 hour, each 10-hour sessions. And if your Wi-Fi router is on all the time, that could lead you, um, again, if it's a 2.5 uh, gigahertz or 2.4 gigahertz router, uh, lead you directly into depression. So wait a second. <clears throat> Let's talk about what exactly this really means then. Let's relate this to what is going on today because everywhere has Wi-Fi and all that sort of thing going on today, not to mention the cell, cell phone signals uh, being broadcast everywhere. What does this really mean? Let's apply it to, because this is why we're breaking this down, because we want to talk about the realistic, real-world consequences of what we experience every day. Uh, first of all, Crow, you did a lot of stuff with with this sort of broadcasting did you did you know about any effects while you were in the military of this sort of thing well for for one thing every antenna farm when you're in a commune is usually at least a mile away from you up on a hill part of that so you don't get triangulated and blown up but a big part of it's because you don't want to be near that stuff i'd say about 50 percent of the comm tools we used anything with a dish you don't want to be anywhere near it um, even when you're keying down mic on stuff like UHF, um, there's like 300 amps in those antennas you want to be in it. Yeah. But there's, there's another tell here. Um, when I first did the Gerson method and I was reading all her research, she made the claim in the book that Russia had outlawed microwaves in the 70, microwave ovens in the 70s. So the timeline you've laid down is 66 so you can see how much time. I don't think microwaves got very calm until the end of the 70s and the 80s. They were pretty affordable. Um, but that's how much time it took them to turn it into a consumer product. But apparently, and I do have some people who have responded who claim to have lived in Russia that said it's true um, that there really are no microwave ovens um, for the most part in the city. So this goes to, to show you what's gone on here. Um, and you and I just did a show with Lena Poo, um, who is correlating this with what, what, do, what do you guys call the damn wireless ear things you wear? Air, AirPods, is that it? Yep. All oh, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. So the AirPods, and she's correlating that. And the whole time she was explaining, you know, it's bad enough if you put one, uh, you put the other. But think about cooking a hot dog in a microwave, right? If you go a little too long, you know how it gets that warped? You can tell it's unevenly been messed with it's like blistering on one side and splitting open um you can see it's exactly what she's describing um when you're using the earbuds but the point i would make here is our government went and made merchandise out of this technology and put a microwave oven in every home if it is correct and i've had a couple people confirm it russia outlawed microwave ovens uh for mass consumerism as early as the 70s so that <laughs> should tell you just about everything you need to know and they were pushing it real, real hard. I remember again, uh, 1972 or so. Um, there was a television show called How Come uh, that you know was kind of like how do things work, but it was you know the 70s version of it. And they were explaining microwave ovens and strongly suggesting uh, that everybody should get one. Um, yeah, they, they were pushing it real hard uh, as soon as possible. And at the bottom of page um, 118, here's the quick summary 
uh, of how they described this. The most important results obtained to date after the 20, 28 days, not continuous of radiation at a primate. And again, they reduced it. This is only five milliwatts per square centimeter with a simulated Moscow signal have been two repetitive, complete slowdowns and stoppage of the monkey in carrying out his test work functions. The monkey normally works 10 hours a day, seven days a week. At stoppage, the data strongly suggests that the monkey went into a deep sleep. The second breakdown occurred sooner than the first, suggesting that the pre-stressing due to the radiation environment had occurred. There is no question that the penetration of the central nervous system has been achieved, either directly or indirectly, into that portion of the brain concerned with the changes in the work functions and the effects observed. Well, there's, there's a tell here. Why in the hell did they go from rabbits to primates, first of all? And why the hell did they choose a rhesus macaque? Um, this is very telling. These are dark minds doing dark things. Um, and it's pretty clear that one side of the world knew this was damaging from the get-go and didn't want to implement it beyond very low levels. Um, and as I was scanning through your guys' document here, there's even a claim that the Russians were bombing the American embassy with microwaves. That's where it started. That's why they did the research, yeah, because they right. were concerned about it. Yeah. Right. So they're, they're talking about this. But everybody knew. And on the, in a lot of ways, you know, the, the, the stories we get about other parts of the world are never, they're never about human beings. It's like, oh, they're Russians. They're something else. But you want to know something? Those people have been ahead of us in so many ways. And when you understand what a microwave does to a water molecule, um, I think, how did Lena Pu describe it, Jason, as bending it or warping the yep. molecule itself? Yep, that's um, how she described it. And so... Yeah, so what you're And doing our bodies is are 80 plus percent water, which is what she was getting at. So all these right, things, even, all these devices that you're putting on you and all the things you're surrounded with and getting hit with all the time, plus the stuff they're trying to crank out more. She's just pointing out the fact that this is bad. This is like so bad it's ridiculous. Real bad. Uh, and also a note, um, one of the sidelines here is that uh, the, the core body temperature uh, dropped 1.2 to 1.5 degrees from normal. Uh, with uh, a delay of 30 to 60 minutes after the microwave uh, radiation was introduced. Uh, so again, uh, drop the core body temperature as well, so it has an effect uh, immediately on your metabolism within 30 minutes. Body shutdown, right? That's the only that's way you can, That's the only way you can lose body temperature. And by the way, um, most people don't understand that to have low temperature is sometimes much worse than having a high temperature. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, and just the uh, practical applications of this. Let's think about uh, the world around us. Like, like, how does this pertain to the world around us today? Well, it, people might be shocked to know that one in every five people has some sort of a uh, neurological condition or a psychological condition. And those, those are, that's the uh, actual data from uh, places like the CDC and the World Health Organization. They readily acknowledge that one in five people as some kind of a serious mental health disorder or neurological disorder. And people just don't seem to question why is that? They're not when putting we're it together. Around, right, when we're walking around in this microwave soup, what's soup. different now than was, uh, you know, say 50, you know, 60, <clears throat> 70 years ago? And in fact, this you is one of the big things. You can draw a direct correlating factor to every introduction of electromagnetic radiation from the beginning of wireless uh, and then radio uh, and then television uh, and then um, cell phones, pagers, Wi-Fi. Uh, at every one of those, there has been uh, – you can just 
correspond to uh, spikes uh, in all sorts of things and um, pandemic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well, think think about it. What it means about putting the pandemic into um, a proper frame of mind, um, because this is going to have an effect. But the idea here is that when all people get sick or whatever we see, it gets blamed on an illness, right? Mm -hmm. So this really kind of underscores how important it is to communicate effectively uh, that the illness at hand is not what you've been told it is. Because when people start getting sick, you know that this is a triple, quadruple, super duper, hundred times reverse that they've set up. So that when people get sick, they'll say, oh, they've got this, that or the other thing. Um, and it's not not the case at all. It's the systems that they're installing as quick as they can while the world shut down. Well, and let's let's just draw a direct line. Uh, I was going to do it later, but since you went there, Crow, let's just draw a direct, a direct line here. This abstract from uh, 2007 um, indicated that, again, uh, microwave radiation, and this is uh, on, um, again, this is a 2.5 watt load. Uh, but uh, in that um, 6G category, uh, that uh, on any organic material uh, caused uh, a change in the organic compound itself, and um, specifically the chemical oxygen demand, COD, uh, increased its rate by nearly half. So in other words, it, uh, ionizing radiation caused you not to be, it uh, caused you not to be able to get oxygen. And so uh, I can't breathe. You, you heard of that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they've been doing that since 2001. The original abstract um, starts at 2001, and they were going through a variety uh, of different uh, wave uh, interactive or um, inter wave interference patterns, uh, and they basically nailed it down. They can they ultimately got to where they can by 100% increase your chemical oxygen demand level. So really shut you. It's basically like um, high altitude sickness. They can just induce it almost immediately. And uh, I suspect, and I have since the outset, when I began to see them. Uh, it immediately began uh, installing 5G once the lockdown began. Uh, hmm. That there was there, there was, and we also saw you know the overlays of maps from 5G deployment uh, as well as the beer bug. Uh, there seemed to be a direct correlation. It was hard to prove, but I mean this stuff really clearly demonstrates that it does have an immediate effect uh, on your respiratory system, uh, such that the chemical oxygen demand immediately jumps up uh, by a minimum of 50% or, and uh, up to 100% uh, if they if they do it right, if they kind of point it at you, and especially in that particular um, bandwidth, the millimeter wave bandwidth. So uh, it does seem to be direct correlation. Well, according to Lena Poo, she's referring to all these microwave spectrums. And by the way, she breaks it out in an episode we've got coming out that it's not just the whole number frequencies, but there are thousands of sub frequencies jammed in uh, that are being auctioned off. Yes. Uh, by whatever government agency I've forgotten is in charge, but she refers to them as alien waves um, yeah. because they don't occur in nature. But then at one point in the show, she did mention that sometimes, I guess, microwaves, uh, a couple squeeze in from the sun, which I didn't think was the case. Maybe you know, Baldini. I was under the impression that microwaves do not occur in nature. Do you know anything about that? 
Uh, it is on the it's on the electromagnetic spectra, but just not nearly at the um, at the amplitudes that we're using artificially. Uh, it is part of the the sun is basically black body radiation, so it's all the way across the spectrum, uh, all all the way across the measurable spectrum. Uh, but uh, so it does it does occur, but not at nearly at the frequencies that we're using, and certainly not carrying digital data is what we're doing with that. So uh, what we're doing is decidedly unnatural. Karen, you're welcome to jump in here anytime. Those frequencies naturally occur, right? It's on the electromagnetic spectrum. But what we're doing with it and the waveforms that we're putting out are decidedly unnatural. Absolutely. And if we if we consider the universe uh, as, uh, again, being electromagnetic and that if we look at cymatics and the, the waveforms that are generated there, um, what they're doing to it is substantially altering uh, the very material construct of our world. Right. Where, where's Karen B.? You with us, Karen? Right here. <laughs> I, it's really hard to get a word in edgewise with, with all of us, but you're certainly welcome to chime in. It's I know. bad I've enough with been... me and Baldini. <laughs> I've never been. Yeah, ever... Jason and I actually belong to a support group called On and On and On because he <laughs> 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 so, uh, can't treat me that way. I brought the extra cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Liar. <laughs> the mythical. The mythical. Yeah. That's that's the unicorn of the party right there. Um, I I will say though I haven't read this document before, and I did, but I did read something else that talked about them using rabbits and testing uh, microwaves on them, and I remember it being very. They did it in a few specific ways. They talked about how they did it. They even did it in a in an environment where the rabbit was comfortable and happy. And then they did it in an environment where the rabbit was being stressed out by something. And they talk about how it was easier for the rabbit who was in a comfortable environment to physically recover from the effects of the radiation it got exposed to than it was for the rabbit who was stressed out. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's uh, intuitive, right? That would, yeah. You would think that would be the case. Yeah, and it was, it was just... You know that, and I read that while everybody was on "quote unquote" lockdown. Uh -huh. <laughs> so it was kind of creepy. It's like, well, send everybody home, have everybody sit in their houses, and and what? Wait for what? Like, what's going on outside? Oh, oh interesting. Um, beginning on page what one ninety five into one ninety eight, looking at um, this. Project um, Pandora document. Um, they were looking at a broad spectrum of human functions. Um, so they had these guys in the fifth fleet on flight deck uh, of an aircraft carrier based on some of the um, radiation that they were subjected to. Uh, and they were here, here's all the um, areas that they saw um, categorized uh, changes. So um, psychomotor. Uh, the choice reaction time, uh, the rotary pursuit, um, sensory perceptual, visual acuity failed uh, or went down, vertical and lateral Im imbalance uh, increased, stereo depth uh, was affected, color weakness was affected, flicker fusion was affected, cognitive uh, word fluency began to go down, uh, number facility began to drop off dramatically, memory, especially auditory, uh, began to show an effect, speed of closure uh, in terms of um, categorizing 
words went down and their perspe- perceptual speed, both number and uh, verbal, all went down fairly dramatically uh, corollary to the introduction of uh, electromagnetic exposure. So there you go. There's the human stuff. And they just used um, poor bastards in the military who, you know, they signed their, their life away. Uh, and so they didn't even tell them. And, and notice, how so much all, notice how this is all done in an anechoic, which I guess means no echo chamber. Yeah, that's correct, anechoic. So, mm-hmm. so our world is not that. These things are going to bounce around in our world, right? Well, that right. was for that was for the uh, the monkey and the uh, and the rabbits. Uh, the one I'm reading here on page uh, around page 200, right right around there. They were on board at sea, uh, so they were on uh, the flight deck uh, of a uh, aircraft carrier. Um, so that's what the that's what the ones I was just reading from with those um, uh, those uh, various results that they saw uh, from electromagnetic radiation on the flight deck. Um, so they were testing uh, them, and apparently, uh, according to and they've got uh, the questionnaire here as well, uh, page two ten or so. Um, they were going through this, so apparently they didn't really uh, tell them what they were testing for or about. They just ran them through, through a series of tests. Stand there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Take this LSD yeah. and stand over there. Yeah. Don't uh, be careful. The window. Mind the window. Uh, defenestration is a, a bad thing. Uh, but the. Yeah, here's the chart results, um, page 216 through 218. Uh, oh, I see. They, um, <laughs> it's not just what they were subjected to. They, uh, You can see on page 219, they had a specially created dipole antenna that they were barraging them with. How, how nice. Now, is that the yeah, same kind of antenna it. that we would have nowadays on, uh, yeah, on Wi-Fi so, routers? Yeah, so 2.6 to 4.0 gigahertz on that one. Yeah, 2.6 to 4.0 is what they hit them with uh, specifically. It looks like everything in here is with dipole. You should tell people what a dipole antenna is. Yeah, it's, uh, so basically they're using uh, a, you know two poles in an array, uh, and they're using um, interactive or do uh, combination of constructive and destructive wave interference to basically be able to steer um, the direction, um, the dispersion pattern. Uh, so you can control the dispersion pattern of the waveform, it does, so it doesn't just go out in um, 360, right? Normally in a free field, um, emanating waves will go out uh, freely in all directions, and so if you uh, uh, take two different uh, pole antennas uh, and time them just right so you get the phase uh, lock in or between them. You can basically steer or direct and increase the waveform intensity uh, along a uh, specific line as well. Is that what's called beam forming? Yes, that's yep. a form. That's a, that's that uses. That's um, that you just described beam forming, right? Because yeah, I remember yeah. that being a big deal when everybody was talking about 5G. It's beam forming. So if you have your phone on you, which is basically broadcasting your location then if you walk somewhere where they've got these towers up they can pinpoint you out of a crowd and and send a target you yeah target yeah that's correct you yeah you gotta gotta be careful someone could start a fire with that kind of technology (laughs) (laughs) really really with multiple with multipolar arrays as they have on 5g towers now they can really pin pinpoint i mean pinpoint directed uh it, it i mean and, and not only that but uh, what i've read initially when i was looking at the uh at the different uh, frequencies that they were using in, in terms of the 5g and it's such a broad bandwidth uh it is again from my perspective it's it's intended to be weaponized the fact that it can carry data is like four or five levels down uh in what it can do and specifically not only again point 
point, uh, you know, use it to microwave you if you wanted to uh, cause all sorts of um, phenomena, as we just described. Uh, but it can also be used basically like um, three-dimensional sonar, if you will. In other words, you could map out a room uh, in real time, including thermal arrays. You could very clearly see, um, you know, people moving around um, and map the room uh, like basically like a 3D sonar. It's very easy to do. Well, uh, look at the name of the damn project, Pandora. Does anyone <laughs> out there remember the myth? I mean, what comes out of the damn box? Don't bad open drums. the box. <laughs> yeah, all, uh, the everything, box, bad, everything bad's bad hit. Open the box. What's in the box? Yeah, um, I know. It's yeah, everything for... bad. Everything bad in the world. And the last thing left in the box, which I don't quite equate to this, is hope. So... They knew damn yeah, well what they were yeah. doing, or they wouldn't have named it Pandora. They did. And in fact, the, the part where they were doing this, the test on the um, the flight crew was uh, the Project Bizarre. <laughs> yep. Well, that's, yeah, that's the sub-project. Pandora and Bizarre. I mean, who the hell's running this joint? Yeah, you got to wonder, why do they always come up with these mythological references for things? And this this is a big thing. I mean, they're, they're invoking certain archetypes here. And this all has to do with archetypal energies. It's, uh, you know, a, a very old alchemical concept, basically, if you want to call it alchemical or actually probably more correctly a natural science based uh, type of a, a thing. Uh, when it comes down to it, they always invoke these archetypes. And this is one of the primary uh, building blocks of our reality. When it comes down to it, they, they use these energy forms, these archetypes uh, to bring things into fruition or to steer certain kinds of energies towards certain things. So you see when they name something Project Pandora, uh, you know, they're they really have something uh, not so nice in mind with yeah. all of this. And, well, and, and certainly, just a, go ahead. Well, well, finish your thought because I was. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say something ridiculous, but that's beside the point. Go ahead. <laughs> no, but, but I'm no, sure gonna, you had something serious to add on. Well, so. well what I was going to say is that, I mean, if you if you consider the world as um, we've been talking about, like uh, Cammie Nodell and I have been talking about it, um, you know, again, I'm, I'm not the first one, but really putting, again, together these ideas that the world is electromagnetic in nature, uh, and it is the modulation of these frequencies and the basically, you know, the, if you want to say magic, for lack of a better word, it, it, is um, the ability to manifest will um, using the luminiferous ether, right? Uh, the the medium in which these uh, electromagnetic waves take place, uh, then what they're doing is tantamount to a kind of uh, magic, right? So uh, it is uh, what what they're doing is materially affecting the nature of our world uh, by uh, changing the the waveforms around you and and uh, again enveloping you in this soup of electromagnetic radiation that is demonstrated harmful to organic material there, there's a couple things that are a problem though so so why do human beings do a thing like that to an environment that they themselves can't withstand but you see in the story of pandora and i'm going to take a shot in the dark because i haven't read it for a few years but i'm reasonably sure it's directly connected to prometheus um so that connection to prometheus makes this a luciferian idea but it also attaches to the myth of how human beings came to be um, and so that's part of the archetype. But you've got to ask the question at some point, why would human beings uh, destroy an environment that supports human beings? Right? See where I'm going here? Well, the first thing I want to ask is, how are certain organizations even cool with it being a uh, test on animals? I mean, that's just like something I've always been against. Uh, I mean, how many creatures are they torturing and killing? And then if it's going to torture and kill them, 
then it, it certainly is going to torture and kill us. What, isn't it? I mean, isn't that just common sense? One would think, but I, I guess their uh, you know whole thought process on this is: does this really torture and kill things? <laughs> you know, I, I guess that's the yeah. How about the monkey we were just talking about earlier? Yeah, yeah. You killed the which rabbit, I'm totally not okay with. He but killed you, a rabbit. You did invoke common sense, which is neither common, <laughs> certainly not common. Uh, but but again, military intelligence—that's that's a classic oxymoron. Um, again, departmentalization and um, you know need to know and people who are uh, chain of command just following orders—you uh, can get a lot of stuff done. Well, that is yeah. what they always say. Just like uh, you know, I should have played this to our friend David Weiss. Uh, couldn't really get two words out of the cops that he confronted yesterday. Hey, just just following orders. Well, guess what? That didn't work at Nuremberg. No, it did, it did not. But uh, they keep saying it even now. Well, this is all, yeah. you know, what, what you guys are referencing, in my view, is the organized takedown of governance and all the things that used to be part of our society. These people will pay the price. It's going to be proof positive that a state government can't even follow their own constitution, never mind the law. They've all violated it. There's no hiding it anymore, and it's all going to come down around their ears. Um, and I think it's the setup for Taco Bell basically being your government at some some corporation. Isn't that uh, the open. Mexican phone company? Taco yeah, Bell. That, <laughs> that, that, that's going to be our Taco state Mabel. governments. <laughs> but think about it. You know, why would the governors do these things that they know are indefensible? If it goes to court, there's there's not a shred of anything that can protect them. Did they do it knowingly? Uh, are they insider baseball? Or are they just so dim-witted they can't quite put one and one together? I'm going with a combination of both of those. <laughs> so Maybe. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't think every single, like, governor or uh, politician, per se, is necessarily inside the club and, and you know, part of, uh, you know, the, the planning phases of this stuff. But I think there's a lot of useful idiots in the office that, that they're being used for this stuff and just doing what they're told by their buddies and, you know, not really realizing the ramifications of it. So I think there's a lot of that going on. But I also do think there's some pretty shrewd individuals really pushing things that are in key positions and they don't get there by accident. So that's that's one of the things going on. But just as a little bit of an aside, uh, January 1st, 2020. YouTube video hits the surface. It's Pandora. Hey, guys, it's Pandora. I'm doing my new unboxing video today. So that's kind of how we got started this year. But it is um, it is kind of remarkable, again, if we, as we look at some of these concepts, that even our language, we always say, you know, it means words have meaning, but, um, you know, the confluence of things like uh, power, right? Who, who's in power? Uh, that, that indicates that, right, there's, there's power. The key. who's in charge there there's the key <laughs> right there there's the key because you can logically put together that if a human being has to eat food breathe air drink water and live in an environment that supports human beings then it's not in any human being's interest to do some of the things we see going on so when you begin to logically go down this road you start to narrow down what's feasibly possible and the most obvious of these is that they're willing to trash one part of this place we exist where they are not. That's one possibility, implying there's continents or places that we don't know about. But beyond that, um, you got to start to surmise that they're slaved out to something that could care less. What that's a human where I'm, being. That, that's yeah. where I'm coming yep. from, is, is that those pulling the strings are not 
human, I guess, for lack of a better word. Right. Exactly. Right. So it doesn't really or for affect some reason they're not them. affected in the same way as we doesn't are. affect them that, the that same way. And right. much much like um, the old ones, right? Uh, they, they don't give a crap about <laughs> humans. Uh, it's just not you know as much as you don't really care if you step on an ant. It's just um, well, it starts it starts to be the way you see it going um, that the energy of depression, torture. Just all the negative emotions that you can consider are truly the matrix idea. It's a bit like a battery. It's negative energy feed. Um, because beyond these ideas, there really is nowhere to go. And when you logically work it down, there's very few options. We already know that Antarctica is probably, you know, who knows? Does it go on forever? Nobody knows. We're all just guessing. And but it's the some- secret to something else. That's for sure. There's uh, definitely some secrets there. Well, the point I would make is alchemy and the old natural sciences prove to us that the lie you're told every time there's a major fire is that this place has been destroyed. No, it hasn't been destroyed. Um, it's been burned to the ground, and that's going to renew. And it's going to renew in a verdant way that hasn't been seen where that fire occurred since the last time it was burned to the ground. People don't like to see their property or their homes burned up. That's tragic. But the point is, is everybody knows who's involved in these fires come back in 50 years and see what it looks like it'll be verdant um and so that's a bit like what's going on here as soon as anyone turned off the last microwave and the last chemtrail and you know put the last drop of fluoride in the water come (laughs) back in 100 years and what will this place be like it'll be like it ever was because because nature proves uh that alchemy is correct it'll just transmit yeah Yeah. until it, it comes back so there's that too, but in the short run, well, let me let me ask you this, Crow. So with that being the case, right, it does seem like one of the um, big pushes is to uh, make an impact on the genetic component with CRISPR and that sort of stuff. And I just hit in the 230 pages uh, here with the DARPA report uh, on these tests and Project uh, Pandora and Bazaar. Uh, they noted, uh, again, genetic modifications. Um, th- as they increase the amplitude, it changes the genetics uh, of uh, those involved in the test. So um, if they are overwhelmingly changing people's um, the gene pool uh, by this broad scale uh, deployment uh, of electromagnetic radiation, um, okay, so now what happens if you fundamentally change the genetics of the um, you know the gene pool? Does it come? Does it come back? Well, these at ideas least in humans. Well, these ideas don't work either um, for logical reasons. But I mean, we've we've all heard the story of the great flood. I mean, what you're alluding to is almost like nature or a, a divinity, if you want to think of it in that way, saying, "Hey, this place got jacked. We're wiping it off." Um, but you see, what we see is the encoding always back to Cain, right? Yeah. Where Cain's bloodline, they keep hollering, um, basically attributing themselves to the first recorded murder in history. But the problem with the gene modification idea is that for that to ever make a difference, reincarnation has to not be real. And the truth is there's not a place in the world uh, back in the day, including Christianity, that did not think people got recycled back here. Um, so if you're going to modify genes and people do get recycled, uh, then why would, what would be your point? You want everyone to look like you or smell like you, you know, you don't know who's incarnating or how they're incarnating, or maybe you do. But so if you go down these roads, then you look at the old, old 
ways of thinking about things, and Christianity was no different early on. Um, before the Vatican got a hold of everything lock, stock, and barrel, they were pretty convinced that human beings could be recycled back here till they got it right, almost like this is boot camp. You you do this till you pass kind well, of idea. I've often said that I, I don't believe in, in reincarnation, but I didn't in my last life either, so... Well, we don't. We don't know. Oh, oh, yeah, you know, That's a we're, joke. we're not at, yeah, exactly. No, it's it's point taken. We we can only work with what we're handed. But logically, if you were going to modify DNA, uh, you would have to be convinced that uh, things like that aren't possible. What would be the point? Or maybe they're doing it just for the sake of uh, you know trying to incarnate something else here. That's a possibility to consider, too. That's a, that is a narrative that has appeared several times, yes, that they're trying to uh, make a change to make it easier for them to uh, do what it is they do in terms of um, kind of overlay the software over the uh, over the hardware platform, if you want to look at it that way. So that that's a running narrative. I mean, it's one of these things that I, I say the one thing I know for sure is that I don't know for sure. Uh, right. I can speculate a lot. There's a lot of information. Some of it's conflicting. Uh, I remain open-minded to all of it. So why don't we talk about what possibilities could exist then? Which which road do you want to run down? Well, all right, we know that the bad guys, the people in charge are into some dark, 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 dark sorcery. They're, They're into some really heavy stuff, and they are the ones who are pushing down the ladder to do all these different things, to implement all these technologies that we know are harmful. So what do we... What could we infer? I can I can take a stab at that. There we I'm, go. I'm nearly convinced. I don't I guess I don't accept it all the way, but I think it's a strong probability. They don't their tickets not punched anymore. They're done. When they're done here, they're done. And those souls or whatever you want to say that should go on like every other human being which has the divine spark are going to get repurposed for something that contributes. Uh, what they're doing is not contributing. So basically what you the road you have to go down if you take that possibility is their backs against the wall. They've painted themselves in the corner. This is all or nothing. So whatever warped thing they're doing, um, it's because they know. Their ticket is no longer punched. They've gone too far. But what does um, that mean? I what, think, what do you think that means? Well, we're pretty sure that human beings don't end. Uh, we can, as a matter of fact, I, I, don't think I, can, I, I don't think I can pull scripture, tradition, mythology from any culture that lasted any length of time here that doesn't say that a human being has the divine spark and they go on from here now they all describe it in different ways they might call it heaven they might call it nirvana they might call it enlightenment they might call it reincarnation point is is everybody pretty much a hundred percent degree agrees that a human being goes on but if you read things like the light of egypt or there's any there's many of them um there's this idea that you can go to the dark side without breaking the rules. And the fact that we have night proves that. But if you go too far, you begin to infringe on universal law. And that's why we and we can back that up with evidence. How come all these people in charge just don't line up all the steel-toed boots, M16s, and all the control of all the military? You know why? Because they can't force human beings to do something they don't want. That's why the straw man is created. Because they get you to say, yeah, I'm that piece of paper. Then they do shit to the piece of paper and make you responsible for what they just did to the piece of paper. That's all a workaround for universal law because you cannot infringe on the free will of a human being. 
And why? Because a human being has the divine spark. And why? Because a human being keeps going on from here. So what I'm inferring is if you read some of these old texts, there's ideas about a dark satellite, there's ideas about mm -hmm. the astral world and the dark side of that. All these ideas about what happens to people that go Darth Vader plus 10, and they violated the rules. And what I have come across is their ticket is no longer punched. They're done. Their, their essence, their soul, their spirit, whatever you want to call it, is going to get recycled into something that's useful. And I don't know how anyone makes the argument that putting 5G in the world is useful uh, to the natural world. It's, it's antithetical. Well, I'll, um, if, if I can, I'll, um, I'll take that and just kind of I don't know, maybe speculate a little bit further or um, not, not too different. Uh, but I would take all of that and just add to it that from, from what I observe, or at least my view on it at this point, uh, is that the, the why, right? So you've gone kind of through the what. Um, and I'll get to what I think is the why, uh, which is that, uh, again, is it's, uh, you know, put in, um, you know, scripture from the Bible, and it's been put in a bu bunch of different ways in a bunch of different formats, is that uh, it is a spiritual battle. Of course, in scripture, it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, uh, but against principalities and powers and wickedness in high places. So the whole idea that this is uh, has to do with a spiritual thing. And back to back up what you're saying, Crow, uh, is that you cannot do something to a person that they did not agree to. Uh, and so uh, by hook or by crook, even using deception and, and um, uh, you know, the, the sleight of hand trickery, ultimately uh, there is a, a spiritual component, not just a component, but that seems from my perspective to be um, the pride, the why behind it all, uh, that everything sort of ultimately relates to that. And I think every person can kind of make up their own mind what that looks like. But that does appear, as you say, from uh, pretty much every um, ancient text that I can come across that there that is the um, the bigger aspect that everything uh, that we observe in a material sense is one step below that it's simply the outpouring or the outgrowth of what that spiritual manifestation looks like it's the physical manifestation uh, of a spirit yeah exactly so it is um, basically it's a tesseract it's a you know, uh, four dimensions is to three, is three is to two, so it's a shadow, right? So it's a, a, a down-dimensional shadow. Uh, so uh, in that sense, uh, what we observe here in a physical sense is really but a shadow of what's actually happening, and thus the, the reason that we've been, um, you know, indoctrinated with the idea of a hyper-materialistic world that doesn't include the spiritual aspect so that we can uh, basically ignore it, make our choices without the understanding of what's actually happening. So anyway, that would be my speculation, at least, is just kind of piggyback on what Anyone who anyone who thinks we're going too far out in left field, go look up the number of popes that have been buried in lead-lined caskets. <laughs> Why would you ever take the time to bury someone in a lead-lined casket? And what is lead? Does everyone understand what lead is? First of all, it's the metal of Saturn. Okay. Uh, secondarily, what lead is used for is to stop any form of light, or basically radiation or energy. radiation of any kind. Any, any, any yeah, that, that's it. So that's what we're talking about here. Why, why do you do these things? Um, they're slaved out. How they're slaved out, I don't think I even want to know. Um, but it's pretty clear they're slaved out. And if that's because they're desperate that they're slaved out, I don't, or it's something even darker, which probably could be. But the point is, is we, we go on. And so what happens to a being that doesn't get to anymore, that will do any... Why would you ever want to consider things like extending life by uploading yourself into a computer that's not life is it you see where, where all these no, things lead 
It's like a desperate measure. All this crap we read about is a desperate measure, and it doesn't take anything more than common sense to say I'm a human being, and that's just really a bad idea. I I'd am rather a living go, man. I, right. I'd rather go hang out under an orange tree with a cricket any day of the week. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, it's it's total inversion of the reality we live right. in. And, and in my view, uh, these people, the, the ones that are doing these things, they're trapped here spiritually. They, they cannot transcend and move on from I this place. So. so that is why they're seeking so hard to take control here. And I would further speculate, and, you know, I, I, I've seen some things that kind of back up this idea, that it's those people that misuse these alchemical principles to bring about this inversion in the natural reality, to do something unnatural through the use of alchemy. These are the ones who largely are the ones that would have to say, you know, put themselves in a lead-lined coffin uh, because they're it, it's a total uh, affront to the creator, in my view. Uh, That's a the, to the it's a total total give, isn't it? It's a total yeah. giveaway. Can, can you imagine trying to even move back in the day a lead-lined casket? Um, there, there was a, you know, there's a, I don't really recommend shows, but there is a show that used to be on Netflix, I don't even know where it was shot in Italy, with Italian actors you don't recognize, called Borgia. It's not the one with Jeremy Irons, it's this other one. There is tell after tell after tell. And we're talking about Pope Alexander here, but um, it just gets to the point where every other scene is basically showing you um, that stuff went to hell here in a hurry, and these dudes are in a bad place. Now, if you want to go down uh, the road a little bit with uh, how the Vatican may be involved with some of this dark occultism and such, and uh, like I was saying, the misuse of alchemy, uh, this is something I'm actually exploring in my new book. And I'll give you just a little uh, quick rendition here of some of what I've come upon. Uh, so basically, let's think back, all right? Uh, if you go back and, and look at the roots of ancient religion and philosophy— You'll find most of that comes from the mystery schools, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. All of that stuff has moved forward from the mystery schools. So what happened with the mystery schools? After the fall of Egypt, uh, they kind of dispersed around the world and, and were kind of scattered and fragmented, right? So uh, this equates to an alchemical process, okay? This is your breaking down. Uh, so here's what happened. The, the mystery schools were broken down. And later on, they were exalted alchemically in the creation of Christianity. And uh, as a further aside from that, look at what happened to Rome. Rome burned. Hmm. So yeah. Rome was broken down in an alchemical process. And the two of these, Christianity and Rome, uh, were merged together in an alchemical wedding of sorts and exalted to the Vatican, which is the ultimate form of governance, which is difference from government, combining the religious theologies and the ideologies of the mystery schools combined together in one uh, religious tradition with the empire built on the backs of the Romans and uh, rebranded as the Vatican, and it became the ultimate power in the world. Now we're right now in the process of the breaking down of these structures again, with the advent of and the rise of technocracy. So in my view, I think the Vatican is going to be alchemically broken down and merged with technocracy in another alchemical wedding of sorts and exalted to a new form 
uh, of higher governance yet. And that's uh, kind of the, the road I take uh, with my views of this stuff. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on any well, of that. I gentlemen. can add something to that, Wayne, because, yeah, you know, everybody knows you don't have to be a genius to understand the era you were in 10 months ago is not the era you're about to be in. And I mark that new year after the 21st of December, to be exact, three days later. Um, if you want to, you know, get civil about it or civic about it, go ahead and call it the 1st of January. It doesn't matter. Um, it's a drop. It's less than a drop in the ocean of time. I'm reasonably sure now that we're, we're already transitioned into the era age because people kept saying, you know, you're looking at the Iron Age and we were taking apart all the 22 master number builders with Iron Man and looking. And we may be, who knows where we are with the Iron Age. But as I began to look back around, I began to realize that as we're looking at the sun on the spring equinox at the sign behind it, I think we were buffaloed. Um, I think it's the ascendant sign. And the reason I think that is because it was encoded in the Bible so much. Whenever they begin to talk about the Virgin and Virgos coming over and they talk about the wheat, it is the very moment when the star in Virgo's hand, which represents the corner of the wheat that she's holding, is coming over the horizon. I never would have been able to put this together had it not been for Robert Taylor and the Devil's Pulpit, who showed us one aspect of what was encoded in Scripture. Um, only one. He missed a lot. He was so busy telling you that you'd been bamboozled um, that he threw it all out, maybe not understanding or maybe just so disgusted. I don't know. Um, but the point is, is that was always the ascendant in the eastern horizon. So if it's true that what I just said is correct based on what I've seen done in the Bible, which you can demonstrate, it's not really arguable. It's there. You can verify it. Um, that means that we've transitioned into Aquarius already since there's supposed to be two or three hundred year period transition it's like it's like a decan of a sign the first 10 degrees you're getting into say aquarius the center 10 degrees you're firmly in aquarian ideas then as you get to the last 10 degrees you're kind of becoming the next sign as you leave the aquarium behind um, and it all works this way so i think we're probably literally going to do the transition firmly in the middle of the aquarian sign which means we're in an air age which begins to explain all the voices that you hear um, that are that are out and popular right now. Almost all of them are going to be fire signs because fire requires oxygen. But more so, what what can we see with the monetary systems? Well, right now, all our monetary and law systems are maritime ideas. They're water ideas, right? The banks of a river, the currency. Well, all that has to become air ideas in an air age, right? Well, what's the first thing they're trying to do? The digital dollar. So now this maritime old water thing will be translated into some kind of crypto which gets translated through the air. So these old water currencies will now be broadcast through the air. So I think there's a bunch of ways we can demonstrate it, but it goes exactly with what you're saying, Wayne, because that's a fact. If any of this is correct, since we don't have for sure a person we can ask that knows for certain, and we can only use logic to get there, um, then yeah, all these old systems have to come to an end, and they have to be dissolved, as you were pointing out. And one more thing I would add is when we say alchemy, we're not saying a thing. We're basically saying people used to know how nature works, and that's what alchemy represents. So that's why they hit it, so they can use it to do all these things and everyone be clueless, I would point out. 
We should probably right, talk about what it means about the different ages, though, how religions themselves seem to change when the age would change with the signs uh, about every, what, 2,000 to 3,000 years, that there's not an exact date for them. Yeah, we 20, don't know. 2,600. 2,600 yeah, is what we, I've heard, yeah. Yeah, we do, but we don't know for sure what the timeline is because they've, you know, grappled that pretty hard. Well, um, a little bit, a little bit, we do because we can see when the bull was proffered everywhere that we were in the age of Taurus. We can still see through the Hebrew traditions; they're still blowing the ram's horn. So we know those were Aries ideas. So we can we can track to an unprecise degree, but I would also point out with all the law work we've done, we know certainly that the Old Testament and the Hebrew calendar, which goes back to whatever we're up to, I've forgotten, starts at year zero, and that our civil calendar by Pope Gregory Thirteen starts at year one, skipping year zero. So I would surmise that we can ballpark. We just don't know for sure why the Hebrew calendar started when it did. Uh, I would also surmise, though, that this transcends just religious traditions and stuff like that, too. I mean, you're talking the change of the age changes everything. everything. So uh, when you're talking about uh, we're coming from the age of Pisces uh, Mm -hmm. into the age of Aquarius, that's denoting that even things like sciences and technologies are going to change from something that's water-based to something air-based. Right. Uh, So you're you're going to look at uh, travel differences and things like that. And if we go back to... uh, uh, you know, the, before uh, this this last age, the age of Pisces, what was it, did you say? It's the age of... Uh, well, before Pisces would have been yeah. Aries. Before that Aries. would have been Aries Taurus. The Taurus. So, uh, so when you, you see all back. the Egyptian bull things, you're looking before right. the... Yeah. yeah well, well, it's, it's the Judaism thing. That's why you see the Moses right. with the ram's horn and all that. So well, even I, think about the technological advances and stuff during those ages. If you go back, uh, is Aries is, is that an air sign or is that a what? What is that? That's a fire sign. So that's a fire I think sign. Aries and Leo and Sagittarius, which I am, are all right. fire signs. Okay, so then uh, before that would be Taurus, which is the bull. Which what sign? That'd is be an that? earth sign. That's an earth sign. So that's largely when farming took hold as a thing. Uh, as a technology, so working the earth. So you could see uh, how this stuff transitions forward. Like, I mean, you could look at all different aspects of this and understand that, uh, you know, these are some real uh, world-changing things that occur with these the switching of the age. And I think uh, a lot of the ancient peoples understood this idea better than we do today, that, uh, you know, these, these natural energies uh, can be leveraged upon for these things, and I think there's a portion uh, of people in our world today that understand this. These would be your people deep at the highest levels of the secret societies and, you know, these dark occultists and technocrats that basically run the show, the ones that we would speculate are stuck here. I think these are the ones that know and are trying to leverage these energies, uh, you know, in their advantage. Think of all the the tells, Wayne. Think of all the tells that we've uncovered. Why would you lie about how an equinox works? And once you understand that the equinoxes are one big lie because they just want you to believe some false thing on the wrong day, then you begin to question why do we do daylight savings time, which is directly related to the equinoxes. Then we come along and we do things like eclipses. Why Why was that lied about? Then we do things like space and the moon landing. <laughs> why was that lied about? Because this is the way things actually work. And you see, 15 years ago, people would have been saying, oh, you new age dope smoking idiots um, <laughs> doing your astrology nonsense, which was the whole reason for trying to come up with a word like sky clock so we could think about it right. again. 
in well, some reasonable way. But this is the way things apparently work. Okay, so now Crow has led exactly where I was hoping to um, go into wild speculation into left field here uh, based on, a, I mean, again, this is wild speculation, but uh, I'm curious to, to get some feedback on this. So in the last couple of days, uh, well, l l I've been sent some interesting photographs from a few people, um, one of which indicated uh, he took a photograph uh, right about sunset, but pointing the opposite direction from the sun, in fact, um, due east where the sun rises, and it looked just like a sunset and then he took a video go pointing back in both directions uh, and this is in the UK and then the next day uh, a double rainbows and then correlating this with the fact uh, that we've seen a number of double sun images I've been getting sent these from all over the place and of course uh, I don't know if you're aware of this but um, Twitter and a couple of other um, major uh, media platforms have uh, out basically banned uh, hashtag sun and film the sun um, so uh, is it possible then that what we're seeing oh and then uh, just randomly uh, watched a, uh, a video that, that premiered today from uh, FPV Research Angel is that, what the, <laughs> is that the name of the channel um, that like uh, indicated the, the uh, historical um, a, a, uh, the historical paintings of that these came out in a, over periods of time that there were multiple suns seen right at the change of ages um, that there were these astron astronomical uh, changes that all tied together that were observed worldwide with multiple suns, some of them with three suns. Um, so, uh, Crow, you, you want to speak to I, that? Yeah, that, that can, maybe I they are I... trying to occlude these things? Well, of course they are. Um, of course they are. When I first filmed the double sun idea, um, and I held it for so long, and then Jason and I finally decided to run it, actually made the end of Shoot the Moon, and we got into Falconelli, we realized there's really no argument here. Um, all the old tracing board, Masonic tracing, it all showed the same thing. There's a source beyond. Um, but think about this. When you take apart the Devil's Pulpit or any of these other things that showed us singular aspects of the myriad, and I mean myriad, ideas that are buried in Scripture, um, where you, you don't even know how deep it goes. For all I know, it's a thousand levels. I, I have no idea. Um, to the point where even now I'm beginning to understand, when you look at the Ten Commandments, the first one is number one because of the meaning of one. And these are things that no one ever got shown. Now, to come back around, when you look at how the Scripture encoded the saints, what are you looking at? You're looking at a saint playing the role of a son in a, one of the stations of the son in the acceptable year of the Lord. So, in other words, this dude's playing the part of the son in, you know, fall in a particular month because he's gathering the last fruits and all these things. We've demonstrated. It's not arguable. But what it tells you is it's a different character, isn't it? This this guy playing the sun here is not the guy playing the sun a month before. So what it tells you is the sun in Pisces is not the sun in Aquarius. How the hell could it be? Hmm. If all these new things come and now we're not a water age and we're an air age, then that something's vastly different. As a matter of fact, in this case, the, the difference between air and water is pretty extreme and right doesn't uh, doesn't iconography lead us to believe that way back that um that that uh saturn was the sun i mean yep. this is weird well, stuff but no the golden i can get age. around that yeah i can get around that too this is all allegory saturn was never the sun but the kind of satanistic luciferian whatever the hell you want to call it which none of it is accurate their trinity supposes the sun and the moon which any trinity will from the sky clock point of view but their third stool leg is Saturn. 
Now, most of us don't appreciate Saturn because if you're not getting it right, you're not growing up, you're going to get wrapped across the knuckles nonstop until you get it right. But in a more perfected age, it would be bliss under Saturn. Um, there's a lot to know about Saturn. We, we pretty much only recognize the dark aspects, the Grim Reaper, the Kronos, and we don't understand that that's just one side of a coin and everything has its polarity. But you see, in a trinity that's not that, Saturn is not the sun. Now, what I said about Saturn was there's this like idea of Arcadia as, an, as one of the examples that was like the time of, it's like a Garden of Eden, all right? That's the mythical thing. And in that time, you're ruled over by Saturn. That's the idea of it. So it's all allegory. But to get back to the point, I would proffer the idea that the sun in the age of Pisces is not the sun in the age of Aquarius. It can't be. And even if it somehow is physically the same body, it's completely metamorphosed or transmuted, if I dare use the word, into something other. And the reason that works is because all the seven luminaries, so you'll count the sun and the moon and then the other planets that are bright enough to see with your eyes, That's that was the traditional classic ancient seven luminaries that matter, you're looking at all these aspects of energies that can possibly happen to us, but they end up being, in a way, the lens of the sun, or the influence of the sun is what... It's like when the sun shines light, it's white light, but if you take a prism, there's seven colors there. Maybe that's a better allegory to show what I'm trying to say here. But my point is, is it doesn't surprise me in the least. Now, I said years ago, people are going to see another sun or a source sun or something. We're about to it, change. It's like a, a stained glass window. It's a different color filter coming across. That's that's, uh, my that's letting the light that. come through. That's so that's that there's a source. There's a source probably outside the the firmament, and the sun itself uh, is what we see inside of it. It's a representation Re of reflection what, idea works. Yes, Albany, yeah. for the as above, so below. What you know, yeah. Jason and I put a number of quotes in Shoot the Moon, and one of them is from Chekhov. Don't tell me the, sh the the moon is reflecting light. Show me a glint of glass, you know, and a glint mm -hmm. of light on on broken shard of glass. And the idea is always that we are a shadow or a reflection in a gross material way of things that are above us. And the idea of that can be demonstrated by the biblical narrative of the firmament separating waters from waters. Well, why would that be? If gravity was real, which it is not, you could think in that way because the gross waters are much more heavy and dense. You see, the etheric waters that you would associate with an idea like heaven, those are more etheric. So naturally, it would be like oil and water or something like that. But we have a firmament separating these two ideas. Yeah. And so it's almost like the gross manifestation of this heavy, gross material we call water is just like a shadow reflection of the etheric Light. I'd, yeah, and I'd even go a step further and say it's probably a multidimensional. I mean, this is actually what we were talking about, you know, before about um, you know hypermaterialism being uh, the illusion uh, to get you to not see right the the higher dimensional aspect. I, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, they, they claim in some places there's seven that everything is based or twelve on seven. Yeah, seven I'd, say, I'd say or twelve. There's seven, you know, seven, and it goes up to eleven, and then twelve is the the completion of all of it, and that would be um, uh, completing with the the ultimate. Uh, was it the tree of life? The Kabbalistic tree of life uh, goes to that twelfth, the last 
<laughs> the name of God, right? The uh, Tetragrammaton. So yeah, yeah it's, it's fascinating. Yeah, it, it, I think it's dependent on what uh, the old writings make it seem dependent on where you are. If you go up a level from where we are, um, then it gets more complex. By the way, in the new Bill and Ted movie, and I just got the image, I'm going to drop it in here and show everybody. Uh, they did a little nod to Saturn. Quite, quite, quite a good one, in fact. Let me get the. Uh... Has anyone else seen this yet? No, I haven't seen it yet. I do intend I watched to watch it the other it. night because I I had a feeling like that they just couldn't help themselves. It's 2020. We gotta. You know they can't help they, themselves. Uh, yeah, and and of course it's got your SJW crap in there. It, well, in the age of Aquarius, Saturn and Uranus co-rule. And by the way, I would point out to everyone who gives a damn, what is the metal of Uranus? Of course, that is aluminum, right? Aluminium. Aluminium. <laughs> and so 80% of old people lose their minds now because of the amount aluminium. of aluminum. Yep. And that's, that, that was always viewed, uh, the ideas of Uranus is affecting us more at some later, more advanced time. But there's a co-rule here. This is going to be a big month, probably. And by the way, one of the possibilities in this month, which has been diminished since all this nonsense started, is revolution. So they say. But, well, going back then to what Crow just said about aluminium, right, and uh, its direct correlation to Alzheimer's is, of course, uh, with the uh, microparticulate uh, aluminum, barium, strontium, uh, but especially the aluminum, once it crosses the blood-brain barrier, has been done and shown with the microparticulates. Uh, that, uh, again, if you've ever taken aluminum and stuck it inside of a microwave and seen the results, well, it's not pretty. <laughs> so now imagine that inside your head with uh, going back to the topic of this very show, microwave radiation. Um, <laughs> yeah, ding, 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 it, ding, winner, ding, ding, ding. Yeah, the, yeah that's, uh, it's not pretty. And well, even, again, the, even, even the Saturn is dark side, you know. I think the idea is that Uranus will be the day ruler of the age we're going into and Saturn's the night ruler, just to put another... Doesn't uh, Uranus in, encapsulate the octave idea as well? Hmm. The, the yeah, stepping up the yeah, that's what I was getting at. Um, that it used to be that people thought of aluminum and Uranus and the effects of Uranus is like we got to get further and more advanced than we are for those influences to mean much to us. Almost like the idea. Now, here's an idea for you. Think of all the sky watchers back in the day that didn't have any any pollution they mapped the sky probably better than anyone ever has they mapped the influences but they didn't know there was a pluto so the idea came to be that when the human consciousness has lifted enough you'll see a new so-called planet a new luminary now that idea is on us now there's supposed to be and i've read it i forget there's supposed to be a bunch more luminaries that we can't detect yet because we're not we haven't ascended mentally and spiritually enough to detect them but when we do, that we will. And so think about how is it that Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto were unknown to the greatest sky watchers, charters, and understanders of all time. How could that be? They all knew right. there were rings. They knew there were rings on Saturn. Oh, isn't that cute? Well done. Yeah, Jason. I just I just had to do a screenshot of it because it wouldn't let me save it as an image. But here you sun. are. Look Look at this. This was the end of the movie when the end of the world was supposed to be occurring. And lo and behold, look what's in the sky. Why is that Yeah, there? but look what's behind it. It's eclipsing the sun. Yes. Yeah, it was a, bla <laughs> it was, it was a black hole Saturn. <laughs> nice. Well, nothing to see wow. here. Yeah, they just can't help themselves. And look at the they? antenna in front of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Uh, there's also somewhere on there, I think it says the end of the world or something to that effect. So, anyway. And it is the idea of the black hole sun. It says on that little late light sign, it says end is near. There you go. I knew it said something like that somewhere on there. Yeah, I, the end I, of the age. I only, only watched faster. it once, so I have to... T- I, I, I got can... news for everyone listening. This place will be here in a million years. <laughs> wow. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Just we might not be. No, we definitely won't be. We're, we, we won't. Most of us will continue on. I'm, I'm sure, except for those who lose our ticket for being too dark and evil and not giving a damn about living things. But isn't this ridiculous? Like I was, I was laying in bed watching this the other night. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me! Not, not only are Bill and Ted no longer the savior, the chicks are, but. They had to get that in there, too. I mean, so just... think about what we're looking at here. So you could almost argue that this is a factual, if, in fact, what I have said is correct. We're through the transition period. We're firmly going to be in Aquarius here as soon as we come through um, the Great Conjunction or maybe the first year, whatever the hell, in that little space of time. Um, that this would be accurate because now all of a sudden you're in a place that's supposed to be night ruled. See, it's nighttime. Why? Maybe that's supposed to be the moon behind him. It looks like the sun to me. Um, but you see, why does it, it got to be dark? And then they say the end is near. See, they got to make everything miserable. If it's the end of an age, why? Why does that need to be miserable? You see what I'm getting at here? They're always trying to down your mental state, and there's no reason for it. We're gonna wake up that day. There's gonna be another day. The sun's gonna rise. You know, it's gonna. It'll just be a different age. <sighs> anyway, let's get rid of that. I don't want to stare at Saturn all night. Well, I would like this age to maybe go a little bit differently, maybe, than things have gone in the past. Maybe this time, you know, we all don't end up as debt slaves. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'd have to, to, for to the first fair, time... We only did, to be fair, we only did that for the last portion of this age, a minuscule portion. That's true. Good point. Good but, po- well, wh- why then? Why would it happen at the very end? How did that come to be if there's a whole age before that? This is just all of well, it. We, we don't know because the, the jokers who put all this in place hid the real history. All these other times that are known about, we don't know about them. The positive note I'd like to throw out here that unlike before, I think for the first time in, in at least the past I don't know, a couple thousand years maybe, that there are a lot of minds. We're still a minority, but but there are a lot of minds trying to work towards a positive resolution as opposed to just going about their daily business, you know, most people being peasants. And most people still are peasants. But I think there's a lot more of us kind of people trying to at least enlighten ourselves uh, away from the bad guys than ever have been in, in history in a long time, I would think. If that wasn't true, censorship wouldn't need to exist. You can prove that that's factual just by what we see around us. And by the way, everything going on is unsustainable. This was rushed in. There are so many things that make this apparently rushed quicker than they wanted to do it or maybe delayed either way. But when things come on, when a fire gets to a blaze so abruptly and so quickly, uh, the rules of nature prove to us this is unsustainable. So it might suck, you know. I'd, I'd hate like hell to think i got to live the rest of my life being as old as I am, dealing with this crap. But this this can't last. It's There's no way this can be sustained for any length of time. No, all I right. think the human spirit will just rise above all of it. And we, we see that going on. 
because, uh, you know, people by and large are, are waking up to the fact that, you know, a lot of this stuff is just low-minded nonsense just to keep us down uh, and, and keep things dark. And uh, I, I think that's people why. are really, yeah, people are really tiring of that. Well, the, and, uh, you know, we could we could see that is the reason for the censorship, because there are more minds coming online with this whole idea and understanding this is not sustainable. This can't be the way that we want it to be. You know, this is not what we want uh, as a future for ourselves and for our our children. So, you know, we, we've got to do something positive here and change this. And that's that's the whole point here. Uh, we're at, uh, you know, the precipice of. A new age and with that comes new possibilities and our future is what we make of it so the thing is we need not to stand idly by and be complacent like we have been we need to take an active part in shaping this future rather than letting some uh, dingbat technocrat decide what he wants the future to be and we just all follow suit we need to take part and you know speak up uh, be adult human beings and uh, you know contribute to this new world that we're going into. I agree. And that's another thing. Like I saw somebody today talking about how this is why I don't have any children or I won't have children. And and I thought, no, this is wrong. We need to have children. We need to Especially have our us kind of people. It's why we're here. Teach them. And we need to teach them the right way to do things because that's how things are going to change. Look at how all these cults and occultists have targeted our children that's what they go for first and the hardest yep. yep okay so that's what we really need to do is be focusing on our children just as much as they do agreed and in fact um and again uh, i don't know if you got the um message i sent before jason but i, I did get that call um <clears throat> so i'm gonna have to leave here in just a moment okay uh, unfortunately yeah, a little that. bit early but um i did uh i did want to add this way uh have been kind of continuing through this document and i did find um some rather uh, i'd say interesting but uh, i guess disturbing uh, when they uh increased some of the tests um longitudinal test on increased microwave radiation uh, specifically and again this is still looking in that uh, 2.4 to 4.0 megahertz bandwidth um, these were some of the uh, they were looking at the chromosomal changes and so these are some of the results that they found um, down syndrome uh, <laughs> brachiencephaly uh, slanted peripheral uh, fissures um, epicanthric folds palmar simian lines malformed ears broad and or short neck malformed fingers and hands uh, nasal abnormalities um, uh, abnormal palate brush field spots and broad or short trunk uh, but leading with down syndrome uh, due to exposure uh, and um, to microwave radiation in those uh, specific bandwidths so uh, it does have again chromosomal aspects to it uh, I, I don't necessarily buy all the story they tell us about dna i think that everything that they told us is a lie so i'm not going to believe that one i, just, I agree with that. just as the way they tell us because uh, everything they tell us is a lie so i'm not going to accept one part of it as being uh, accurate however um, you know, we do see abnormalities here and there, and these are some of the abnormalities that were presented uh, due to increased amplitude radiation in those particular bandwidths. So take it for what it's mm. worth. This is, again, documents from uh, – this is from uh, mid-1967, uh, but again, uh, coming out in that same request, uh, FOIA request from ARPA, which is DARPA, essentially the precursor of DARPA. Um, so th they've known this for a very long time. It's not as if they – whoops, we didn't know. Uh, it seems, again, uh, by, um, you know, by design.
time uh, to uh, give an excuse to put this into uh, broad deployment. Uh, so they just added, oh, hey, look, we can carry signal on it. Let's use that. Uh, so uh, people will accept it. It seems to be the case. D- DNA is a verbatim 91. So the yeah. one and nine idea again. There you go. So it's just more poppycock. Yeah, again, I, I don't accept uh, pretty much anything that they tell us these days. But nope. uh, anyway, it's been uh, a pleasure. Again, as always, I, I do have to run a little bit early um, to uh, go pick up some stuff from the pharmacy before they close. So uh, thanks again uh, for having me. Again, uh, gentlemen, Karen, it's great to be with you, Crow. Always a pleasure, my friend. Yeah. Uh, Jason and Wayne, we'll see you again next week. Take care. Now, now right. we know where he's getting his extra cocaine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. It's pharmaceutical cocaine. It's pharmaceutical grade cocaine. Yeah, they they get lots of right? leftovers there. And, yep. Yikes. And her- Heroin number four. That's the good stuff right there. All right, guys. Take care. (laughs) Later. Do we have anything in this document still, Wayne, that we want to go through? Or uh, shall we just chat this out at the end here? I think maybe we could just chat it out because it's an extremely long document. And a lot of it is really, really uh, tied up in, uh, you know, just very uh, data-heavy type of uh, stuff here. It's it's a lot of charts. It's a lot of... uh, uh, data sets and, and things like that, just talking about uh, a lot of these uh, different tests and stuff that they've done. The bottom line is this. They've done a lot of different microwave radiation testing and used all different kinds of uh, frequencies and bandwidths and all of that kind of stuff with it. And they've come to the conclusion that, first of all, it's it's harmful to human beings and animals and yep. everything else. Absolutely. And second of all, they could actually modify behaviors with it. Uh, in a subset of this this Project Pandora, especially that uh, one called Project Bizarre, which is a sub-project of it, they discovered they could change people's moods and alter their behaviors and their emotions and stuff using these uh, energies. So with that being said, I mean, they they found a way to weaponize this long ago. And, you know, you you can see the results today. I meant to mention this to you. You ever see these ads, you know, where they're doing the latest drug where you got a rash on your skin and they're pushing this drug and then they tell you it could kill you or, you know, give you a heart attack. You know, they do all these things. But do you ever look at the weird name that's actually assigned them? Like they'll they'll call it Pulvitrex or something will be the branded name, but the actual name of the drug, they all look like magical spell words. (laughs) Every one of them. Um, I I don't think that's Now with an expecto patrol. And they're weird, too. Like, all of them end in M-A-B, MAB. Um, then there's a whole other set. I was counting them. I counted four different sets. A whole bunch of them end in M-A-B. Um, but they're just, like, they're bizarre, to say the least. Yeah, they are. They are. And you'll notice they use a lot of X's and stuff in them as well, in the names. Well, why, do, uh, why would know. that be? I don't know. Does X represent something in particular, Jason? Hmm. <laughs> what, what was it? I, I heard Bill Maher. Yeah, I heard Bill Maher make fun of it once in his little smug way. He said, well, if you get a medication with X or V in the name, you know that's powerful stuff. God, that guy, <laughs> that guy is a cunt. Yes, I don't know how else to put it. Every time I see him, he's just got a face you want to smash. He uh, does. Jim and uh, Jimmy Kimmel. I feel the same way about Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, I, don't I can't like, yeah. stand it. You kiss so. your mom with that mouse, Jason Langer. Oh God, he. <laughs> one time I saw one of those like tabloid clips of Bill Maher out in L.A. and he was with this like Amazon transvestite, like six <laughs> tall thing. And like, it's probably a good it, way to describe I, it. <laughs> seriously, it, it he it dwarfed him. <laughs> He, I don't he, think he's he a, looks like 
He looks like someone's Semitic grandmother at this point, anyhow. <laughs> I, 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 that's that's a guy who I think is a pure example of someone who who's who uh, wasn't doing that great. Got before the Lord Lucifer and said, "Please, I'll do anything to be successful," and I think he got it. I think he had to get on his knees first, but. <laughs> and he's not even like that really that popular. Well, he, it, he was he was doing quite well for a while. Remember, he used to have um, what was it called? Politically incorrect. Off, right. Politically, Politically incorrect. he got booted off the air for nine eleven, so they could build up the name and put controversy. Then HBO picked him up and yeah. put him off the charts. On uh, I think it's politically incorrect now, isn't it? Or no? It's um. Oh God, I don't. I used to watch it. I don't know. What it's Real called. time. Real yeah. time is the new show. Politically Incorrect was the one where he dared to say something about fake hijackers on a fake 9-11. Oh. So they booted him off. So that was all the buildup. But he was a fixture at the uh, the Playboy mansions, apparently. I'm not surprised. Well, yeah, I, I think he, he ate like the poop crackers and kept eating them. <laughs> I'm not kidding. He's, he's one of those people that I absolutely think said... Uh, that he would sell out, and uh, nothing's off the table. I really wouldn't doubt that, actually. Like, you know, he just feels that, that, that way. He does. He's got that creepy, just I don't know, kind of uh, energy about him. I guess you could say. Well, as Crow was saying, he's, he's also got a little bit of that smugness, like he knows something. So he's probably another rung up the ladder, maybe two at the most, of like uh, the vile, the vileness center. He's like, oh yeah, I go slightly higher than you, so that I might be getting shit on in my head, but I get to shit on a few more people well, below me. Think, think about what all those political talking heads do. Like people used to love John. What was John, John Stewart? The, the, yeah, John Stewart used to love that guy. These are the scum of the earth people these people do more damage to our society than almost anyone else i could think of because what they're doing is playing on the red blue false paradigm and they're creating a hate mindset we're blue so we're going to hate on these guys so these what they did is they wrapped it in comedy they used to do it in other ways and they realized they could make fun of it and people would become iconic i can still remember the first time john stewart showed up on uh, uh what's the tall guy's name who has the radio station um, Fartman, what's his name? Oh, Howard um, Stern. Howard Stern, yeah. Howard Stern. The first time he showed up, he's like, well, who the hell are you making fun of him? And that was right before he went through the stratosphere. But what these people do is they create the hate mindset. Think of everything you don't like about CNN and Fox and then multiply it by a thousand because <laughs> that's what these guys yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah, they, they like to use these uh, comedians and stuff as, you know, a, a means of of putting some information out there, like like putting these little tells out for people. But at the same token, they use it as a poke in the eye, and they, they turn it into kind of a farce so people don't really take it seriously. So that's that's one of their favorite away, things yeah, to do. Get away right with now. more. Right? Yeah. Well, they, they could be used as revelation of the method, too, because people are, are going for a laugh, and they're open to whatever the comedian is saying. But in reality, what's really going on there? Right, that's true. I mean, that's that's the thing that is a, one of the methods that they use to do that for revelation of the method. They'll put out there the the information in the form of something that people aren't going to take seriously in type of an entertainment type platform, and comedy kind of fills the bill perfectly for them because they could go ahead, they could do things like satire with it and stuff like that, and then people just see it purely as 
you know, this this form of entertainment, and they don't really view it as something tangible that could really be going on. They see it as, you know, kind of a joke when it comes down to it, and that's the whole intention behind giving comedians this kind of limelight. Joke's uh, on us. this is what, right, well, the joke's it's on un- us. It's unbelievable it's a, it's a how, how obvious is it, though, because Stewart had Colbert on his show. Colbert goes to do a spinoff, which is a show which becomes very popular to the point where he becomes a late-night guy on his own but what's he doing he goes hating on trump that's all he does yeah yeah we're a blue guy show then he goes to faking like he's a red guy um an extreme red guy i mean it is so transparent as to be if you're in seventh grade and you can't recognize what's going on here you know what's going on and it goes to show um the influence that these people have and basically what they're doing is showing up for work every day with a can of gasoline and they're flaming hatred fires. That's what they do. Absolutely. That's exactly what their job is. And, you know, the same could be said for politicians. It's the same kind of thing. It's just showbiz for the ugly. So <laughs> that's where you go. That's politics for you. Uh, same kind of idea. So, you know, you, you could see how they just keep kicking the can down the road with this stuff and causing more and more uh, division among the people. Did you see um, how much effort has been put to defame Trump lately so they can try to claim the electric is all electorate is all about um biden like they use south park to make him look like a dick then they did the <laughs> whole covid thing which by the way it only takes three days to catch covid and be i'd be back out in the world uh, but <laughs> amazing isn't it all he shows the- <laughs> up in front of cameras looking like someone took an orange can of spray paint and unevenly sprayed his face. It is so blatantly (laughs) obvious, and most people can't remember, because I can still remember the Nixon-Kennedy thing, and the whole thing there was it was the first time we realized only handsome people could become president, you know? It was the whole reason Nixon lost was because he was sweating, and JFK was such a dapper young man. Um, But did you see him on camera looking like someone spray-painted a pumpkin with three shades of orange? unreal and people just can't possibly think for more than two seconds to understand what's being put in front of them it is october so he's got to have the october colors manipulation man manipulation (laughs) the orange orange resolves to 33 and they're like yeah the only color right also not a coincidence uh, trump caught covid 33 days before the election so Amazing, isn't it? What? (laughs) You know, Jason, we we should just take the 1924 speech from the uh, governor of the Central Bank of England and just take that one paragraph and just make that the image for every episode we ever do from now on until people grow the hell up and quickly be And call every episode, do you get it yet? Yeah. Are you awake yet? Hello? Are you colorblind? Well, to pull this back around to uh, what we started with, Karen... um, Spreading hate and having a ton of negativity is the exact opposite of the kind of thing we do and the kind of gathering we're planning on having. It, it's all about open-mindedness, higher-mindedness, challenging things that we know are poppycock, that kind of thing. So if you want to talk about that again for a minute before we sign off tonight, uh, please do. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely the opposite <laughs> that we want to have there. We want to have um, great conversations, socializing. We want to build connections. We want to meet new people. We want to get to know each other face-to-face beyond a YouTube name or a YouTube channel. Um, We need to get to know each other on a real level, a real personal level, and have face-to-face communication 
And, you know, because this is something that they're trying to take from us. They're trying to take away our ability to interact with each other on Wear a, a mask level. everywhere you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, there's on there's so many things that go on when we have to social distance and wear a mask. I mean, the list is huge of things that it affects and thing and the way it alters our behavior and makes things our life different and hard and not normal. <laughs> so that won't be going on here. Mask free. Everybody's open. Everybody is is going to be ready to just have a good time and not worry about these things and hopefully talk about solutions too. you know talk about your ideas of what you want to do in the future things you want to do things you might be able to meet other people who want to do these things too if you want to start living off grid if you have you know a business that involves these things this is a great place to meet other people who want to do those things too you know we really need to start becoming more solution oriented in these meetings that we have, I think, too, is another thing we need to start looking at, you know, um, really exchange information, start building these our communities, you know, of like minded people. Really, that's what we need. All right. What's right? the website one more time? Let's get that out there. Flattoberfest. <laughs> Flattoberfest.com. So we're going to have presentations, um, exhibits, food, drink, all day long, come meet us. We're also meeting the day before, and before I forget, there's gonna be a meetup the day before, there's a park across the street from the venue, so if you get to Greenville, if you're coming from out of town and you get to the venue um, Friday, then there will be a meetup at the park across the street. It's a big gazebo that's got power and everything. It's not like, you know, it, it's it's not just a regular park, it's a big like uh, pavilion type thing out there. And so we'll be meeting there, and then also uh, the Shrine Club, which is right across the street, Fridays has a bar that's open uh, to the public, and they have karaoke. So I know there's a, a few few people well, looking Rosa forward said. to do karaoke, <laughs> <laughs> right, the night before. So um, that's what's going on. Go to the website, get tickets. You can see the map. Um, I, I guess I should add a page that talks about that meetup the day before. So maybe I'll do that to make that easier for everybody. Um, and that's it. All right. Oh, man. Karaoke and Shriners. What could possibly go mm -hmm. wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Who's buying the drinks? <laughs> Bring your flower pots, people. You'll need to wear them on your heads. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the Grand Stuba. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne, what do you want to talk about before we sign off for this week? Uh, nothing much. Just uh, new How's book, the book should be dropping some. Yeah, I'll plug the book here quick. New book should be dropping sometime probably next week, as long as everything goes on cue here. Well, so, what, the, uh, what the hell, man? You and I are about to do a show, and we're, like, covering numbers, and you're dropping your new book. How how did we get sideways there, buddy? Uh, well, we didn't really get sideways. Uh, we could definitely discuss the new book, because a lot of this, the work on numbers and stuff that we're going to be doing uh, when we record that show here next week is... Uh, a lot of the research and stuff that uh, I, I actually had derived in the writing of the book. So, so, uh, so you, need to assert, you need to assert yourself at the opening of that, Wayne, so that we don't drop the ball with everything. We, we need to cover your book at the opening of our recording. Okay. Yeah, we'll get there, yeah. definitely. So I, I hope to have it uh, out and available for sale uh, come the time that we record. We'll see. 
it all depends on uh, you know what exactly goes down this weekend here uh i i have a lot to juggle here just to you know so people know uh so you know i'm a busy guy I, let's put it that way uh but i'm looking forward to uh getting the book done and out there and ready you know for publication and be out for sale hopefully sometime early next week uh so it should hopefully be available by the time that uh, the episode that I'm recording with you guys airs. So it'll be the first place I really announce it, and uh, you know, it's the yeah, first place you, I'll really push it. Yeah. No, I appreciate it as always. And other than that, uh, nothing much else going on. That's just been kind of keeping me busy for the past several weeks. Uh, you know, in addition to all the normal stuff I got going on. So. By the way, Karen, uh, is there anything about filming or live streaming or any of that stuff since you're uh, – oh, okay, you, I see you've already answered there. I saw yeah. a bunch of people jumped in on that. Um, I, I don't know how we might do that. I've got cameras that I can bring uh, since I'm driving. Maybe I can help with that. Uh, it's something we could talk about beforehand if you would like. Um, sure. I guess we would have to get with Nathan on that too. Yeah, because we'd have to take a feed off of whatever his board he's using. I don't remember what he says. He's uh, I haven't really gotten to talk to him uh, more than here and there, so I'll, I'll bring it up to him. I mean, even if just my P1000 films the uh, the stage, I mean, that, that, I know that could do good enough. I know we're about setting up some cameras on Wi-Fi and possibly doing it that way because last year I streamed Flattoberfest through my P900. How did that look? Um not super great because I had it like going through my phone. Uh, you know, I, I, I saw really... people doing it on their phones though, right? Yeah. Last year I saw a bunch of people just live streaming off their phones. Yeah, I'm sure people will stream it off their phone. I would stream it on my channel if I could stream, but I can't stream to my channel right now, and I can't do it till December. Maybe I, if I can get um, it working, I might be able to stream it to Unveiling This Realm, that channel, and then whoever else is there can live stream it too. I'm sure there'll be multiple streams. Well, we can always just talk about it. I mean, I've got I've got my Blackmagic cameras. I've got a P1000, but if you got 900, it's kind of about the same. But all right, we'll figure it out. Let's uh, let's see. The big thing is going to be the audio. Make sure it, it sounds really really good, which is what I'd want to talk to Nathan about. So we could put our heads together and see if we can come up with something. Because I mean, I think people who can't make it would really 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 appreciate that. But we'll talk about that. I know. I would love to be able to do that. Yeah, me too. And, and then it's out there for, for everybody too, for, for even for posterity's sake. So, all right, Crow, that brings us down to you and me. We just did a killer episode with uh, a gentleman who went by KL. And of course, we had Clive DeCarl back to talk about some really important stuff. But how about this one we're dropping at midnight EST? All right. I think it's 2.58. Kirk Kallenbach is back. Uh, it's not too often you're going to hear me get called out on my own show for good reason. <laughs> That happens in this show, uh, language matters, and the idea I'm expressing is valid, but the language I'm using to do it is not, and I get called out center stage, rightly, I might add, um, to the point where I even submitted the title <laughs> to make sure that the, the language and what we're covering is so critically important, and when you do what Jason and I do, you're just at a dead run, seven days a week, 10 hours a day. And so the idea that we can stop and read Black's Law Dictionary just doesn't come into it unless that's what we're doing for the current show. But this is a big one. Um, we did the KL show, which actually broke my server like <laughs> a number of times because the traffic was off the charts. And that was maybe the closest we've seen to legally 
interacting with the system to gain back control at some level, but nonetheless it is still within the system. What we're covering with Kirk Kallenbach is the spiritual realities that drive all of this, which typically get overlooked by people looking at law to the point where you could make a parallel. How many people out there understand that when you put a mask on your face, you're covering your spirit, right? Your breath is your spirit. So if you're a spiritual person and you think of the Holy Ghost or the Divine Spirit, that's what you're covering with a mask. You're using a corporate veil to do it. So it's a social contract that is not only inconveniencing you, but it is spiritually coming at you. Um, and the force and the tricks that are used to employ it uh, are all unmasked, to make a bad pun, uh, in this episode. We go back to the foundation of where it's all started, and we cover this with Kurt. But I think it's getting to be more important that people understand um, you got to make a call here. Are you going to try to be within the system and defend yourself from being bullied by the system? Or is your ultimate goal to be outside the system? And Kurt, who we have on, his goal is to not be part of the system at all and still be able to live as a human being. Anyhow, that'll go out at 12.01 tonight, Eastern Standard Time or NYC time. By the way, we are going to try and get KL back as soon as we possibly can. He, uh, We just did that episode. I have a tentative, by the we, way. Oh, he's him. already gotten back. I know he was busy for a short time there. So, uh, yeah, as soon as possible. There's just so much more to talk about. And try to understand, folks, because I know Kirk really got upset about this. He um, he really didn't like the way KL came at it, but you've got to understand that there's different levels of these things, and Kirk just wants all or nothing, and I totally get that, and I totally respect that. He's coming at it from a purely spiritual point of view. What KL was talking about was trying to take control of your accounts, for lack of a better term, uh, but still being part of the system because, you know what, you may need a credit card for some things, you know, that maybe there's just something about your life. I mean, it's just the world we're set up in. Uh, maybe you want to buy a house because you don't have $200,000 to drop on something, you know, things like that. Like, you may want to still be a part of the system, and that's what we're talking about with all these people is different ways of coming at different things. Uh, Alphonse is fantastic with dealing with day-to-day -day bullshit, especially when it comes to throwing an affidavit in one of these pricks' faces. It's like, oh, yeah, here you go. Deal with that. You have to deal with me. That kind of thing. Right. And these things are all threaded together. Right, Jason? We've done a run now. Uh, Lena Poo is coming up. And what you're going to find is, here's the irony. These guys don't see eye to eye. Most of these guys who have figured out aspects of the law, they don't agree, per se, with the next guy down the line. What Jason and I did is we finally said, what works? What, what can we show that has successfully been implemented? In my view, our job is to show all these avenues because if everybody put their attention on being within the system but gaining back control, to me that's moving in the right direction. For my part, I think people like Clint Richardson, who I don't agree with a lot of his, but what he's putting down, but his overall premise I agree with 100%, and that's kind of where Kurt is too. There has to be some point in the future where the dream is to not be under any of it. Um, but we're not going to get there overnight. And so that means that people that want to be in the system got to have a way. People who just want to be in the system, but when someone hassles them, know what to do with an affidavit. Or like Lena Pooh, who are going to live in the system, but you come at me with 5G and it's going to be your butt. I think we need all these aspects. But for my money, Kurt's laying down the foundation for the eventuality that someday we're out from under all of it. Yeah, I think Kurt's going for the brass ring. Like, if we can get it yep. to that point, that's the whole thing. So anyway, uh, we're going to keep going at this. 
That that's for sure. We're not we're not just gonna say okay, well, well we figured it all out because I think we're far from that. But the big thing with what Crow and I are doing are have you had successes? Then let's talk about them because we have to look at what is working and what's not working and start whittling it away because there's just so much to uh, to this law thing. And here's the other thing. I strongly suspect that at times they probably change things in the system too. So it's probably something where you have to keep up with it. Wouldn't you think that, Crow? Um, I'm sorry. I lost my mic for two seconds. Ask me that one more time. I would think that as we're going along here, there's probably changes even being made to the system itself. So even if you right. do figure out something, uh, it might not work next year just because they've well, changed I, something. Yeah, see, here's the thing. You, you can't be completely prevented from going for your freedom. Um, that's a violation of universal law. But what I think you're spot on. If, if say, 5,000 people went for the KL method, I would expect that measures would be taken to try to make it harder or almost impossible, almost impossible. But it doesn't matter because 20 years ago, we didn't know what we didn't know. And now we all know. Um, anyone who's paying attention knows. And so this, this too has a shelf life. We're not doing this for much longer. And I think what they're doing to the state governments right now proves it. They're setting them all up for failure. These people have violated their constitutions. They've violated the rights of everyone to maybe to the fact that they've become uh, guilty of tyranny or sedition even. Um, that's what's been set up here. So what comes next? So I think they're already preparing the system we exist in to fail and probably trying to concoct something else. But I'll say it again. This is unsustainable, and they're going down hard. I just hope I get to live long enough to see it. The thing to keep in mind before we sign off here is that they are in the wrong with what they're doing. What they're doing is fraud. I know they try and convince themselves that uh, they've got us fooled, and, oh, we're telling you, and they're patting themselves on the back for their cleverness. Uh, the truth is that what they're doing is wrong. It, it absolutely is all negativity. They're, they're doing it to babies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before you even could possibly know anything, they're doing it to you. They're they're getting you in the system, and they're doing it to your parents who just don't know a damn thing, and therefore the system just keeps going on and on and on. But anyway, I think we've said enough about that. Uh, tune in for that at uh, 12 p.m. or 12 a.m. Excuse me, EST. That's the new show, and of course we'll be having another one in a couple days. That's gonna do it. Thanks everybody for being here, Karen. It was cool that you sat in with us the whole time. Uh, hopefully we we. Uh, had a topic you thought was interesting. It was very interesting. I <laughs> love uh, that's actually one of my favorite topics. That's something I look into on my own quite a bit. Cool. Yeah, it's something that needs to be talked about. And what did we take away from all that? Well, in my opinion, it's that hey, guess what? They knew what they were doing in the '60s to us, and uh, almost all of us have a box somewhere in our house, maybe more. That's uh, kind of sort of zapping us, isn't it? Yeah, well, they were doing it before the '60s because I re I remember reading about um, Dr. Jose Delgado, that guy who mind controlled a bull in the '50s with electromagnetic waves. First, he did it um, wired, and then he actually learned to do it remotely. So that was even before the '60s. Yeah, and that all ties over to MK Ultra stuff too. Yeah, the least things all tie to Delgado. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise Amazing. me if they figured out wireless mind control, at least to some degree, and tying it in with flicker rate, like everything. All this stuff ties in. It's not that one thing is one and then another and then another. No, 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 no. Like these people no, have been putting network. Yeah, they've been putting stupid amounts of money into all of these programs for decades and coming up with a massive control grid. And that's just what it is. That's not conspiracy theory. You just look at de declassified documents. This isn't cra crazy conspiracy crap. This is admitted. They can do these things. 
But anyway, I can ramble on and on and on. Let's say goodnight, everybody. Thanks, everybody, being here. Have a great night, and we'll see you soon. Thank you.
Oh, 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 oh,